Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. We are on again 2020, looking into 2021. The game has just opened. We've got some fresh eyes looking over the app as we speak. First reactions, players that we think are overpriced, underpriced, priced correctly. I've got the two stunning gentlemen joining me today. Firstly, Pistol, how are you? I'm glad you went with me first. Um, I wasn't sure who was on the podcast, but I appreciate it. Uh, Anyway... I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm good. How are you going? Uh, still at your comedic best. Very sharp after the uh, off-season, I can hear. Super sharp. And and the, the better-looking Chizo. The, be- the better-looking Chizo. I'll go get her. Miss- Mrs. Chizo, you're required. <laughs> uh, I'm good, thanks, well, mate. Good. Uh, great to hear from you, boys. Uh, I'm excited to talk about how bad my team is. I, how hard is it to pick a team when you first... And you're looking at half a dozen names to try and fill up your bench spots and you've got no idea who any of them are. That <laughs> happens every year. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's December, Chizo. Come on, mate. Let's, yeah. We've not all put... Wait, as I say that, Pistols just sent me his team. He's got a full structure and bench plays in. <laughs> Where he's even accounted okay, for buys. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Well, I don't I even know what you're talking about. I've got my buy strategy plan. He sent me his buy strategy. It's it's four pages long. That's unreal. Um, okay, so obviously we have the best of the business in the business. Best in the business? Okay. We're, you we're can call me whatever you want, JB. <laughs> uh, okay, this, this has started poorly. I'm going to get us on track. We're going to start with the defensive line on Supercoach. We're going to have a look through some of the players, some players that we obviously think are over, under, um, or correctly priced players that have snuck into our team already to this stage. I think everyone on the podcast has met at least one team to this point, so we're not complete novices. Um, I'll start with you, Chizo, because you are the the smarter of the two podcasters that are joining me. (laughs) Who catches your eye the most when you open that defensive line? Uh, as in, like the first thing that stands out to me, uh, not necessarily the guy that I, I want to pick first. Is that sort of? Yeah, like, yeah I just bet the you first regret that stands out first to you. Now, <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the clarification, Jesus. The, the first thing that stands out to me is just the absolute chasm between number one and number two on the list, being Jake Lloyd and Luke Ryan, and just the incomprehensible gap that there seems to be in Jake Lloyd's scoring ability compared to the rest of the defenders that we're going to have to pick from and I think I mentioned to you guys earlier that I always go into the year thinking oh you know Jake Lloyd's pretty expensive I'm going to wait for him to drop and then strike and pick him up when he's a little bit cheaper and it's, I've never ever been able to pick him up during the year for that reason and uh, while I notice like how much more expensive he is compared to Luke Ryan I just feel like I have to just whack him in there just for the my own sanity yeah, so obviously coming off an average of 122, if you didn't start him or trade him in early last year, uh, you likely went the entire season without him, especially due to how uh, stumped we were for cash generation. Um, Pistol, your thoughts on, firstly, as Chizos pointed out, the the large gap between Lloyd and, and the field and anything else that just jumped out at you as soon as you opened the defensive line? Yeah, so... My, Lloyd is so consistent, like he rarely drops below 100, which means his price just kind of hovers a little bit lower than his you know, original price, but he'll be thereabouts, which means for me this year, I don't really want to overthink it, and it's one less problem to have to figure out during the season, so I'm, I'm with Chizo there, and I've just popped him in straight away, um, which you know kind of feels nice. Um, otherwise, there's two things that stand out with me on the defensive line. Um, one is straight away just the lack of rookies that aren't key defenders there's a lot of key defenders and they're cheap but also i don't really want any of them on my field which means there's going to be some interesting structures um moving forward but also depends if any of these you know young rebounding halfbacks pop up over the preseason that's definitely something to keep our eyes on and secondly i'm just happy that players like Laird uh maintains their you know defensive status even though they played in the midfield and you know, it's nice to be able to pick a, a bunch of midfielders, really, in the back line. Yeah, well, not even players that have the midfield status, but players that will, we think, play midfield. Uh, Lockie Whitfield's a classic. He starts wherever the hell he wants and ends up going through the midfield anyway. Um, he's always a helpful, handy pick in either side of defence or forward. And then you look through the list, you've got players like Zach Williams touted to play more midfield time. Uh, Jack Crisp has the potential to play midfield time as well. Uh, there are a lot of players in the defend- defensive line. And the thing that I've probably noticed the most is that the defensive line will have uh, probably 
a lot of variety this year in teams. You've got a lot of players that you can choose from that are likely to go over 100 average. There were 10 that did it just last year based on the crop that we're looking at now and quite a few players that landed in the night. So there are 11, sorry, because Jeremy Howard technically did it in four games. Uh, A lot of players that ended up in the nights. I have to scroll all the way down to number 24, Daniel Rich, uh, with an average of 89.9 for someone who averaged outside the 90s, um, firstly in defense. So I think it's very different to the forward line. Uh, There are a lot of options, a lot of diversity. Um, People are going to be getting fancy, and people are going to be taking up on some punts as well that they think will go better this year than last. I think defensive line is going to be really interesting this season. Chizo... From what you can see so far, you've obviously, I assume, you've locked in a couple of players. Um, besides Jake Lloyd, who who went into your team real early? Well, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head that as opposed to maybe last year, there's a whole heap of um, premium options that kind of fill us with confidence, I think, compared to last year where we were picking um, you know, the likes of James Sicily and even a Houston or whatever, just trying to, uh, you know, take a bit of a Hail Mary approach. But I think this year with the likes of Lloyd and the fact that Rory Laird's going to probably play uh, as uh, more predominantly midfield for the the, the year, um, your boy Zach Williams, uh, slightly underpriced as well, looks like he's going to be um, picked up primarily as a midfielder. And if you can... Uh, uh, handle turning away from the TV every time he cops a knock and goes into a contest, and he could be uh, a, a good selection as well. So I, I think I'm seeing uh, the ability to pick a lot of uh, you know top end premiums that are going to get um, the right roles going into the year, as opposed to trying to deal with the likes of um, you know an intercepting defender um, that may see their scores kind of drop as the uh, the quarters extend and um, uh, the scaling uh, has less of effect in 2021. As you say that, it's a really good segue. I'm curious as to your thoughts, Pistol. I know you've got an analytical mind. Um, the players that I, I can see that uh, Chizo just named uh, then that fit the mold of an intercept defender, James Sicily, who's obviously averaged well in the past, Bridley, who burst onto the scene this year, um, obviously Jeremy Howe, who was able to increase his best-ever average by quite a lot this year as well. Um, Tom Stewart comes to mind as a sort of intercept player. Nick Haynes was a big one uh, that burst onto the scene. Where do you see these players going? Because uh, dropping down to an 85 to 90 average doesn't seem plausible for me. I feel like they they can't drop um, that far down after having such a good season. But where do they fit in the grand scheme of things and potential top 10 defenders? Because as we know, the quarters are now longer, the scaling changes, um, those intercept marks aren't quite worth what they were, but they're still worth quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, they're still worth the same. They just, you know, get the scaling and larger pieces of the pie. Players like Luke Ryan as well and all the other ones you mentioned, I think they will have a drop-off purely because, you know, those accumulators are just going to get more of the ball in those longer quarters and they eat up those extra scaling. A lot of the time um, at the end of a quarter, you know, if every quarter, let's say, has roughly, you know, 800-ish points um, or, you know, 800 points per quarter, um, Last season, we were only using up like 600 of the 800 and there was 200 points roughly of scaling at the end of every quarter. Whereas, you know, in a longer time frame, those 800 points are mostly all used up. So the scaling doesn't really um, apply as much and it's the accumulators that eat up that pie. So I I think there's going to be maybe, it's hard to tell, but, you know, a five point drop off. I'm not talking like 15 or 20 points. They'll still be good scorers and people like Tom Stewart who got an injury affected 18 is already a little bit underpriced anyway so he's probably just going to maintain his 100 average or so. Um, So I I don't think you don't rule out getting those players but I'm certainly not stacking my defense full of them to start the year. I I am more targeting those accumulators so you know the Jake Lloyds and um, Whitfields and even Luke McDonald in his new role. If he ma- manages to hold that throughout the preseason, he is a little bit of the a exact bomb. same type of uh, a little bit of uh, an accumulator as well. So he he'll <laughs> also be uh, straight in the basket, cheesy and Jed. <laughs> straight in the basket. Now you're going with a uh, basket case. From some memes, lovely. Um, so this this sort of makes me question someone like Jeremy Howe with an average of 120, just four games, obviously, but that includes. His injury-affected final score, which still turned out to be a decent one, mind you. Um, if you if we expect a five to ten point drop off, he's still priced fifteen points unders. Yeah, I'm not seeing him in many teams at all. What are your thoughts on him, especially being a Collingwood supporter, Pistol? 
I like Jeremy Howe. I know he's not going to have a 120-point average, but he's still capable of going like up between 105 and 110. The last time when he was, I think he averaged 102, two, three years ago, something like that, um, he wasn't really on kick-ins. Like Darcy Moore had kick-ins and Maynard took kick-ins, and he was pretty much taking all of the kick-ins um, this season in his four games, small sample size. Um, he's just the guy in the Collingwood backline. Like he's the man, and... Uh, He's obviously coming off an ACL, which is why people are probably hesitant, but he's going to be a good scorer. So he's certainly going to be you know, underrepresented to start the season, I think. Now, Chizo, yes, I know you've got an eye on a couple of mid-prices. I just want to know from you who has caught your attention, or, or even a couple of players if you're, if you're tossing up between them. Who has caught your attention early days in defense in the mid-price section? Uh, it's a good question. I think... The thing that jumps off to me is there's not a whole lot of mid-prices that we're looking to pick between as opposed to last year where we had, um, you know, the likes of Doherty and Duday and Robertson that were, you know, choosing between. I'm I'm finding a distinct lack of genuine options this year. Um, I guess down towards the lower 300s, you've got the likes of Wayne Miller and Ryan Burton both having uh, injury-interrupted 2020s both being uh, shown that they can score in the past. Uh, I guess it all just comes down, particularly with Miller, what role they get. Um, as um, I think Brody Smith was transitioned into more of a midfielder in 2020, potentially opens up a uh, running defensive role for Miller, which I think suits him better than uh, a wing role and probably you know, backs up his scoring potential. So if I was looking at a, a mid-priced option, I think he's one that jumps off the page Um but the distinct lack of those surrounding him. It's kind of the whole issue we have with defense going into 2021. You've got your, your premium players who you'd love to load up on, and then genuinely beneath your, like, I don't know, if you're going four deep or something, you are struggling for points and value anywhere. As Pistol said, there's a lot of fullbacks um, who we don't want because they just score so poorly. Uh, and there's not a lot of mid-prices that'll make us uh, good money either. So I think we're struggling in defense this year after the, the premium selection. So it's going to be hard to, to pick the team. I think there's going to be a good variety in there, but um, at the end of the day, I think that might actually be the dictator for a lot of the rest of our side and how heavy we go elsewhere. Uh, I'm going to move into the midfield, and I'm going to start with you, Pistol. Now, I think a, a burning question early days is when you open the midfield, you see Lockie Neal for 720k. Um, at, at first, you probably have a, a taste in your mouth. You probably, you, you know, you, he ended the year um, not as well as what he started. And you think 720k, probably not. It, it's just, it's a, it's a lot of money to pay. But then you remember how he started the year and how he started the year prior and think 720k might actually be his cheapest for a while. Where, where do you sit on Lockie Neal? Yeah, it's a bit of a tough one. When he was up to 140 average with a couple of rounds to go, I thought, yeah, there's no way I'm starting Lockie Neal at 140 average. But he really tailed off at the back end of the season and dropped his price a lot, down to 134 average. It's really not out of the realm of possibility that an accumulator like Neal can still average 130 or even more. Um, I think he's only a tiny bit overpriced, and for that captaincy option particularly his early season form, as noted, I, I, I don't think it's too exorbitant um, amount of a price to pay for him. So at the moment for that safety, and I don't really like a lot of midfielders this season. Um, and oh, for me, I, I just I want the safety. <laughs> yeah, I want the safety. So um, I'm locking in Lockie Neal. I know I've been saying it every year and not doing it, but this year is different, I swear. Okay, Chizo. Yes. I've got one for mm-hmm. you. There are a lot of midfielders between Lockie Neal and, say, the 600,000 uh, price point. Half of them are Bulldogs. The other half are Melbourne players by the looks of it. Um, who's catching your eye early days? Uh, there's just so many options there. A couple of them look overpriced. A couple of them potentially underpriced. A lot of them play for Western Bulldogs. Um, who do you like in that section? Uh, as in to fill out our top premiums, in the midfield? Yeah, so say you've got Neil at M1 or say you're you're opting to go against Neil. If you've got one or two of these next little mid-tier section from 600 to 700K, 
Um, who stands out to you the most? Um, standing out to me the most, um, I think, is the affordability of Jack McRae. I think he's kind of gone under the radar in the fact that he kind of had a, a, a down year and he only averaged 121. And I think as, as the way we transition into longer quarters next year, I think his uh, aerobic capacity is just going to help him um, to, to no ends. I think, I, I think the, a lot of the players surrounding him, the likes of, let's say, Jack Steele, Clayton Oliver, Christian Petrarca, uh, a lot of these really contested players that were benefited by the scoring system last year, I think uh, will sort of reduce a little bit. Um, but the one that kind of stands out to me that should go the opposite direction, uh, being able to play as an accumulator as well as an inside midfielder as McRae. And I, I really like the, the one-two combo of having probably who I think are going to be the number one and number two highest scoring midfielders um, in 2021. I had a couple of guys that I had in mind when I asked you that question. McRae wasn't one of them, <laughs> but you've, you've genuinely, the way you've put it, the only, the only issue I see is Adam Trelaw and, and his impact on the Bulldogs midfield, but genuinely, he, a year ago, averaging 135, was the first pick player on our side for yeah two, three seasons straight. Um, now he's 120 average, priced at 650, and I see him in no teams. Um, are we maybe overestimating the impact that Trollor will have on the Western Bulldogs, or um, the fact that Lockie Hunter averaged highly for, for the last season? Like I assume he... Um, regresses a lot this year, um, being the fourth or fifth midfielder. Um, what do we think of that whole dynamic? Because there are just 400 midfielders in that team. Well, I guess there's two ways you can look at that. There's one, that we can't trust Bevo as far as we can throw him, and so anything may happen. And two... We should always look at that way. <laughs> and two, I think it's most likely the fringe midfielders are going to be more impacted. It's not like uh, Bont is going to suddenly become you know, their full-time full forward all of a sudden once again after having such an amazing year as a, 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 a primarily mid player. I, I still see the likes of McRae and Bont and these kind of guys um, definitely staying in the midfield rotation primarily. Uh, with the addition of Trelaw, he's not someone that has the ability so much, uh, Pistol will probably argue with me, to, to be either a wing or a half forward. <laughs> And so I see him forcing the likes of a Lockie Hunter out of the inner rotations to being more of that seagull role he's played previously. And the likes of Josh Dunkley that can um, rotate forward as well, uh, losing a few more midfield minutes than the likes of Jack McRae. We do have to highlight the fact that McRae did um, at times last year spend some time off freaking half back or whatever it was. Um, and that lasted for about a month right when I needed him. Um, but I don't think it's overblown you, with the whole Trelaw situation. He's absolutely going to come in and, and have an impact and take points away from someone. Uh, but I don't think it's going to negatively impact um, the likes of McRae with the longer quarters who uh, tends to be around the ball a lot more often and work more as an accumulator than a, an impact player. I love this. I, th- I think you're going against the grain here for what a lot of super coaches are thinking, and I, I genuinely can, I can into- No, I can I, like it's not, it's not a negative at all because I can see exactly where your heads are, and like I wasn't big on considering Jack McCray either. Um, that's that's slowly changing as we chat. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them in the preseason. Um, I think a lot of people just opt in to go with no Western Bulldogs, but that might be a mistake. They have a lot of high-averaging players. They always have a fast, open game style. They play a lot under the roof at Etihad, um, so they have the conditions as well going for them a lot of the time. So it'll be interesting. I think it's probably one of the biggest talking points in the preseason. And uh, Can we trust any of them? Can we start any of them? Um, they're a real X factor. Pistol, I have a question for you yes. after the 15-minute the chat I just had with Chizo there. Um, who stands out to you around that 600k mark? So, um, if we're going from, for example, Josh Kelly, 615k and under, um, who who are you looking at in that range? So I'm definitely in the wait and see camp on the Bulldogs players. I just don't really want to pick a player and not know what I'm going to get from them when they cost 600k. I guess we'll find out more in the preseason, but at least for right now, for my early December team, when I don't know any information whatsoever, 
Um, when I'm paying 600K, I want to know what I'm going to get. So players that I'm kind of looking at are still the accumulators. So Tom Mitchell at 610K, you know what you're going to get with Titch. You're going to get 30 handballs a game, um, and that's probably going to equal 110 points, and I'll happily take that you know, with some upside if he manages to take a few kicks during the game. Um, and even players like Josh Kelly, I know it's Josh Kelly and I complain every year. Don't because do this to me, Pistol. <laughs> no. You know, you I know don't how weak it is. I don't want GWS players. How much he's ruined my seasons every time I get him because he's always injured. But man, GWS have a great draw. We've just seen some, you know, high-scoring players and Zach Williams and Cameron leave. I think he's just going to benefit from it. And, you know, he, he can still play as an accumulator as well. And, yeah, the thing is that I look at Josh Kelly and I think there, if, if I don't start with him, there is no way I'm upgrading to him because then the risk he's going to get injured, whatever it is. It just feels greater. I know it's a, a, a fallacy, but, like, it just feels greater as the season progresses. That he's going to get injured, his body's going to wear down. And I'm like, well, if I start with him, at least I only have to trade him out once and I have to bring him in and trade him out again. Plus... He's uh, got some good fixtures to start, and they could bank on some high scores to start the year. So um, them and I guess another accumulator type I'm looking at is Matt Crouch as well. Obviously, Brad Crouch is gone. Matt Crouch kind of just did Matt Crouch things towards the end of the season where he was piling on the points and possessions and basically the same mould as Tom Mitchell where he just gets 30 handballs a game. And I, I like the consistency, and I think that's how I'm going to build my side. I'm still not over Matt Crouch. He and I had a really rough breakup in 2019, so you're going to have to warm me up to that one. Um, Kelly and Titch, I think, yeah. I think both of them are slam dunks. It's whether you want to take the risk on Josh Kelly um, as to whether you want to start him or not. Everyone's going to be divided on that probably for the span of the existence of Josh Kelly in the AFL. Um, There are a lot of interesting players around this price point, obviously Nat Fife being one of them. as I scroll down, Trelaw is another one. Gaff even um, may potentially be underpriced for an accumulator. There are there are a lot of players in this midfield section um, that we're going to talk about a lot in the preseason. There are some potential breakout candidates like Hugh McCluggage that are down there, Sam Walsh as well. Um, I'm going to skip past them, and I'm going to I'm going to look to the the juicy 500k or or less range. So now I'm talking oh. about your Matt Rao. Um, I'm talking cut about, out Crips. Sorry, you cut out Crips. Okay, fine. Five hundred k and below plus Patrick. Crips. <laughs> um, I want to. I want to discuss because I think there's room for one, maybe two of these players. Um, there's there's also uh, Tim Taranto in that range as well, who I love. Um, Chizo, I'll start with you. Yes. I want to know firstly who you're looking at in that range. Is Crips a real no go? As we got burnt last year. Is Rao, uh, is he going to take us to the promised land? Is Taranto finally going to break out? I've had all three of those guys in my team, and the, the, the team pick has been out for three hours, so um, <laughs> I need a bit of guidance here. Well, I know exactly why you were trying to cap it at 500k. It's just so you could sneak in your boy Jai, Jai Simkin at uh, 499.700. That's, that, that, <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I Oh, you saw him. No. Uh, okay, th- th- unlike the defensive line, this is a kind of a line where we have... A lot of genuine options, um, through, mostly through injury, I guess, that uh, have kind of cropped up in that 400 to 500k range towards the top end. Um, are we disapp- I'll shoot one back to you before I keep going. Are we disappointed that Rao didn't get the appropriate uh, discount? Like, are we happy that they took the initiative to give him a different discount than what you would usually get? I'm undecided. I'm sure Pistol's unhappy, but I'm undecided because... I think it makes him an interesting talking point, and he's he's in my team. He hasn't left yet, um, but I know a lot of people won't start him now because of the the ten percent discount that he didn't get. Um, I like players sitting in that range of should we start him, should we not start him? Otherwise, Rao would have like incredibly high ownership. Yeah, I'm not sure if Pistol agrees with me there because I think he wants that extra fifty <laughs> k. But ah, oh, you wanted me to jump in. Well, uh, look, I just like when. <laughs> The rules you're re- you're are the same. The pistol, I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. The social cues, my strength. <laughs> um, the yeah, Raul. I think um, you've said it perfectly. It's should I start him? Should I not start him? Where if he was four forty k, you're like, well, I'll definitely start him. Um, and that that throws a little bit of a spanner in the works. 
I'm not fussed by it. I think if it would have been one of those picks where everyone had him, which kind of ruins Supercoach a little bit. At least now there's going to be variety, particularly when he's so close in value to Paddy Cripps. I, I'm not sure there's going to be too many teams that pick both of them. Um, they do share a buy, I'm pretty sure, as well. Um, so it makes it a little bit harder um, if you're trying to get a nice even spread if you you know choose two guys that uh, have, I think it's around 12 buy as well. Um, Oh, no, they don't have the same buy. Sorry, I'm looking up while I'm talking. How's that for multitasking? Um, but, yeah, I just... I don't know if you can both go there, particularly when there's so many, I guess, players that we would say should go 115-plus, and there's certainly worries about either of those players going 115-plus for the season. Um, but, yeah, I uh, I do like... There's other players in that range that I would also consider. Um, Yo at 483k as well, I think, um, has... You know, bounce back potential. I don't know if we, we should call it that, but he was abysmal last year and injury prone and the whole lot. But he's somebody that could average 110 as well and is a, can be a bit of accumulated depending on the role that they play him. So um, I think Prestia at 446k as well has yeah. some of that potential. But there's, a, as you said, Cunnington and there, there's a whole bunch of players mm. that you could select, but I don't think you're going to select three of them. Um, so you have to be very careful. <laughs> Guess here. how many I've selected? <laughs> Oh, no, no. <laughs> a, a lot. You, you've the, got uh, two choices here, as far as I can see. You've got like the Brad Crouches, you've got the Tim Tarantos um, that have you know had a bit of an injury and dropped down. But you've also got a couple guys that look like they could you know take that next next step in the likes of say Jacob Hopper at uh, four eighty eight and Adam Chera uh, at four eighty four, uh, both priced at about ninety. Like uh, I, I don't see it out of contention for them to take the next step and reach triple figures but whether that's enough wriggle room to make them a keeper i'm not sure um obviously it goes without saying that darcy Parrish at 465k is uh should be considered as well uh and um i i guess it it, it kind of makes you think about how much risk you're willing to take because we talk about this year in year out and then we always seem to have about three or four players that are coming directly off injury and then we get burnt pretty much straight away if we look at the likes of um, uh, those that cop restings and, and started uh, getting injured at the start of the year like Roberton and, and whatnot so um, Duday missing games so uh, I, I think it, it pistol that I could definitely make the case to kind of fit three in there that I thought would end up being keepers but the amount of those that uh, priced that way because of injury is probably the more reflective thing that I'm looking at as opposed to um, what their potential is. Now, Pistol, as I scroll down, I see some more recognisable names sub 400k um, as well. I think midfield's really just the gift that keeps on giving the more you scroll down this list. Um, players that were switched clubs, like Jai Caldwell's in this area. Um, Tom Green, who I think has incredible potential to be a uh, Clayton Oliver-like breakout player. Not sure if it'll be this year or next, but he will eventually be a premium player. I'm certain of it. Um, and then I keep scrolling and and scroll and scroll, and I find Dyson Heppel at 319k. I cannot believe he's priced so low. Um, I can see why he's priced so low. He had three games at 66 average, but um, that kind of blows me away. Is is he someone that's going to like? I mean, we had Libertore in our teams. Um, a couple of seasons ago with that same sort of price. I think it was 310k Liberatore. Um, and Liber had that same sort of scoring history of not really going below 90. Are we going to have another case of that? Is Heppel going to be seen in a lot of teams? What do you think? Yeah, look, it depends on Heppel's role, but I'd like to remind everyone he's only 28 years old. He's not like super old, like a 32-year-old and his body's falling apart. Like he's had two injury-prone years, but before that he didn't miss a game. Um, you know, for his previous three seasons, um, you know, he's, he's got had a 66 average last year, but before that, in the last five, his lowest has been 94. He's never averaged below 83 before in his entire career. I mean, if he were to average 83 at his price, you're still making about 100k. So that's a pretty good, you know, worst case scenario unless he has his worst ever season. So uh, for me, it's. He's in my side right now, but we'll see how we go in the preseason. 
you know, if Haitley comes out at 310k and absolutely knocks it out of the park, it's a very easy just little sideways swap from, from Heppel to Haitley in the preseason as well. So there, there's options. Um, so if you have to put someone in your team, I think it's a relatively just safe pick. I've got two more questions for you before we move on to the rocks. Firstly, did he lose his powers when he cut the dreads off? Clearly. Like 100%. Maybe we don't select him. And secondly, just in one word, please, how do the uh, midfield rookies look uh, in December? Real, real early take. Good, I think. Solid. Um, okay, that was more particularly North Melbourne. You're still talking. Just um, target them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I said well, mate, that's fine. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Crystal. Uh, we're going to move on to the rucks. And uh, honestly, I love our potential content for this year. There are discussion points on every single line there are player v players plus cash there are this guy and this guy versus premium and rookie like mid prices versus like premium it's just that this year i think is going to be so interesting i think there are going to be an incredible variety in teams i'm extremely excited just looking through this so um i think supercoach has done a good job in like they obviously don't choose the positions of players but the pricing everything is it's been it's been excellent so um, we're going to start off in the rucks. Uh, it's it's obvious that we're going to discuss this duo. It's Gorn versus Grundy. Um, I was saying all preseason, Max Gorn is just a player built to succeed as a ruckman in Supercoach for as long as he's playing and, and fit and healthy. Um, I think he'll be number one ruck for the foreseeable future. That's just my opinion. And the thing that, the thing that got me onto Grundy this year, as I opened the app was that I don't think they're 20 points apart. I think they're it's potentially five points apart. Um, and Gorn is priced a hundred K over Grundy. Um, it's still a good discussion point because if they do mirror their last season, um, that's a 20 point gap, uh, per game that they ended up averaging. So, Firstly, Collingwood supporter pistol. What happened with Grundy um, in regards to his drop off? I mean, I think Collingwood in general didn't do super well, and Grundy particularly looked like somebody that needed to just be at home. I don't think he acclimatized super well to being on the road in the hub. It just didn't seem like he's the type of guy that football is his life. Um, at least if anyone follows him on Instagram or keeps up to date with what he's doing, he's very passionate about a lot of things that aren't football. And I think if you're in a hub where you're basically football 24-7, it would have been a bit of a struggle for Grundy. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense as to why we saw a little bit of a drop-off. And I think next year, he's a Ruckman one that has high time on grounds. And um, obviously, he had a down year and still went 120. And I predict next year that he'll go at least what he averages here and... and will better it so uh, for me it's uh, yeah a totally he's not going to move outside of my side um, at all it's just not going to happen have you got a similar stance Chizo? because I was pro Gorn until I saw this price difference yeah I think that again it just comes back to my belief that the scoring system will slightly differ with how these guys generate their points in 2020. I agree with you that Max Gorn is going to be the highest averaging player in 2021. I think that Brody Grundy is going to accumulate the most points in 2021. Um, and that's purely because I think Max Gorn is, at, is more susceptible um, to being banged up and missing games and doing a calf and what have you. Uh, whereas Brody Grundy, I think, I'm not sure if he touched on it, Pistol, I may have missed it, that he was playing like a battled warrior, um, like a, uh, how do you say, like not necessarily injured, but uh, was carrying a few bumps and bruises through the year that definitely would have hindered him uh, on, on his uh, his perfect output. I think the maybe the, the, the third quarter of the year kind of between... Um, the buy to like round 14, 15, I think we, I, I just from my personal watching the games, it just looked like he was laboring just a little bit. And that, yeah, he looked really mm. slow and, and not fit really. I think that's a combination of, um, the role that he plays being such a, a, a big body ruckman and getting in, in and around the, the contest and also playing so many games so close together so there's not that recovery period that he may be used to. So um, I think the benefits with Brady Grundy is he's less likely to miss games in those situations than, say, what a Max Gorn may 
do. So I think you're absolutely right that the price the the, the price difference of one hundred and three thousand dollars and the points difference uh, of nearly twenty points is not accurate to what they will be next year. And even if they were about the same price, I'd almost be inclined to pick Grundy anyway because I still think he will outscore in total points what Max Gorn will do next year. Well, he did last year. So, yeah, your example's immediately there. Uh, Brody Grundy scored 93 points more than Max Gorn did for the entire season last year. So, um, obviously, Gorn missing three matches with injury. So... Um, it's an interesting one, durability versus ceiling. Um, if Gorn does play 22 games this upcoming season, then he's undoubtedly probably the highest point scorer and average almost in the game. Maybe Lockie Neal pips him, but um, that's a big if. Uh, we haven't really seen it in Max Gorn's career so far, and the 100k price difference is just um, large. It's just a large difference. So um, I want to talk about Royal Marshall. Uh, if people are opting against someone like Max Gorn slash Brody Grundy and going with a different R2, maybe with the thoughts of moving him into the forward line later on in the year, I'm not sure. Um, Ron Marshall seems the type. Pistol, you, from the the very few discussions I've had with you so far, aren't as hot on Ron Marshall as others. Look, I'm okay. If, if It all depends on Ryder. Like, if Ryder's out for the first, you know, half part of the season, then... By all means, Marshall's going to average 110 plus because he just scores, particularly as a sole ruck. When he was sharing the ruck duties, I just don't think he's value at his price. Like 103, that's probably fair. That's what I'm expecting for him to average with Ryder. It's like sharing the ruck duties. Um, you know, Saints have a really tough draw as well. I'm not sure if you saw who they're playing twice, but it's basically all the top teams. So I don't really see. Do they his play draw. Port twice? <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure, actually. But uh, I did say all the top teams, so probably not. Um, I think that, yeah, I I just, the, uh, there's, I don't know where that extra improvement's going to come from while Ryder's there. Like, he's going to obviously improve and be a better player, but Saints are going to probably lose more games than last year just because of their draw, even though they are a better team. Um, I think he'll average what he's priced at. So I, I don't know if that means you have to start him. So at some stage, I'll just pay the same price that he is now and get him at some point throughout the season, at some point to upgrade to him, um, unless Ryder's out, in which case then I'll start him. So yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I, he's a great pick and I will almost definitely end up with him on my side. I just don't see the reason why everyone's trying to start him to you know begin the season. Yeah, so he'll be in your side at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah as totally. you said, four times. Um, okay, at some point. Cheeso, uh, I've got a question. So, there, besides Marshall, who's, as Pistol just said, at some point, at some point, at some mm. point, um, that's all I really mm. heard. Um, besides mm. him, when you scroll down, there are some potentially perceived value pick Ruckman. Um, Toby Nankovis is one of them who had a good final series um, after having an injury prone 2020 season. Um, he's priced at 440k, so could potentially be an R2 stepping stone. Um, further down the list, and, and someone who I think will be higher owned than Nank, is Braden Pruce, traded to GWS, um, is contending with uh, Mumford, who could actually be his biological father by age. <laughs> um, three games, 62 average, priced at 300k. Do either of these big guys interest you at all? Um, I think for the... Just to follow up what Pistol was saying, R2, Ryan Marshall <laughs> doesn't make sense. That's uh, You're absolutely correct. I think in the forward line, you could definitely make an argument for him in there. Um, but at some, yeah, point. at some point, including round one. Um, yes. The Braden Proust situation with GWS, I think that it was very, very obvious last year that Shane Mumford is not AFL standard in my opinion, anymore. And they do need a ready-made replacement. I, uh, I, I, uh, like Sam Yeah, I, I, I sort of uh, got a little bit scared at the whole situation where they were thinking, uh, uh, thinking of getting a Steph Martin to replace a Sam Jacobs and a Shane Mumford. I was like, they, they really are thinking in 12-month <laughs> periods. Um, it's like me making my keeper league. But I think with Braden Proust, what they do... <laughs> hey, don't laugh at that. Uh, Braden Proust definitely gives them some future Proust, future proof, 
um, ability to. <laughs> I'm about to hang up this damn squad. I love right it. Uh, so to the side, and I think they've picked him specifically because they see uh, more of a, a longevity in his um, career with them. So I think it would be. It's unlike the situation where he got he was behind Goldstein and then went to Melbourne to be behind Max Gorn. I think he's gone to GWS. He's learned his lesson <laughs> to be behind Mom to be Flynn. behind Matt Flynn. Um, and so uh, I th- I really like him as an R two selection. In fact, that as soon as that I knew he was going to GWS, I was just oh. Bryce Mitchell, what's his price? I need to know how much I'm going to spend on him because at 300k, I think the risk of him uh, being secondary or um, a backup to Shane Mumford is very low. And I think at that price, his scoring history potential and particularly from his uh, form that he's had in um, VFL where he's averaging something like 120 or 130, something ridiculous um, the year prior... Uh, well, multiple years prior, he's been the best ruckman in, in VFL land. So uh, I've got absolutely no qualms going with him at 300k. And he's been fine when he's solo rucked in AFL. Mm. He just hasn't had that many opportunities. Mm. And when you're rucking in a team to sort of chop out Gorn, you're just not going to score yeah. well. So at solo ruck, if he can average 80 plus, which will, I think yeah. would be pretty good. Yeah, like that's, that's amazing. Yeah. 300k, 80 plus, just sit there and... You score 81 every single week until we can kill you and, and get Max Gorn in. <laughs> kill, you, kill you as in... Cal, yeah, like a, Jeez, a cash cow. Um, um, but Nan- okay. Nankervis, I think, is too expensive for what he offers. I think Nank, Nank has higher averaging potential than what Proust does, but you're paying for yes. it, aren't you? Like, you're paying 150k for that potentially higher average, and it's not even guaranteed, mm. so... Um, unless you're going to go too cheap, Ruckman, and ignore the the two big men altogether, I don't think Nank's viable. Um, I only think he's viable as an R1, pretty much. Um, I might be wrong there, but um, Pistol, do you have any closing thoughts on those before I move on to the forwards? Yeah, I will just touch on for people that might not be so familiar with Braden Proust as a number one ruck. He's always scored really well, so that's why everyone's holding him like 95s and 100s and stuff like that. So. Um, that's kind of the explanation as to why people are hot on him. And um, there is another ruck that I want to touch on who was traded from West Coast to Sydney to likely be the number one ruck, and that's that. Sam Naismith. Tom Hickey. That's <laughs> Tom Hickey, 261K, even cheaper than Bruce. Um, look, Tom Hickey's not been a good super coach scorer in his career, so True. different situation than Bruce. Uh it's just, you know, number one rucks t- typically do score well. I'm not sure Hickey's got it in him to still score well. But at his price, if he plays every game, which isn't a guarantee anyway, but if he does, like, he will make... <laughs> great, great endorsement. He will make 140K, which is not a bad cash cow. It's just, do you really want to sacrifice Grundy and pick, you know, Pruce and Hickey as your R1 and R2? Or even, I guess you could choose Hickey over Pruce. Not that I would recommend that in a million years, but... Um, it's a discussion we probably will have close to the season which one to pick you know if you you go for the oh lord I we, we, we need to get down to the yeah. brass tacks here pistol give us the lowdown on sam naismith this time every year we find out some inside word that you, <laughs> you know your family's got him on speed dial we we need to know what the, we, are we picking him in our preseason teams just straight up no we're not picking, we're not picking we're not picking him this year no, no. This is this is uh well let's let's see what happens. So if I if I get a text message saying that you've bumped into him over the coffee shop and he says he's raring to go and then doesn't play the first six rounds, uh, that not again, <laughs> never again. Right, no, you two so break be, it up. Yeah, don't be picky. Just choose Hickey. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god, I'm not choosing Hickey. Um, we're going to move into the forward line. <laughs> We're going to move into the forward line. Um, this, the forward line is always I find um, top heavy. This year it's 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 crazy top heavy. Um, you've got Dangerfield, Sidebottom, Hawkins. If you can consider him to be a consistent top top heavy, <laughs> good runner coming up. Um, Dunkley, Royal Marshall, and Dustin Martin. So I think they're all good options. Um, I will probably have okay. a number of those all throughout the season at some point. Pistol. As if you cut um, Zorko out of that group of players. I, I just don't like him as, as a person. Okay. Well, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, oh, sorry, Zach Butters. That's who I forgot to put in there. Um, <laughs> Robbie Gray? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's passed it. Pistol, are you even following Supercoach this year? I'm just yeah. picking pot players. That's a good call. We all finished off again. Um, <laughs> besides the top heavy players, um, I really want you guys to get into the crux of the next line. So um, I'm going to take away the easiest option, which is Isaac Heaney. And I want you guys to actually spend at least five minutes talking about the other options that aren't rookies and um, aren't Zachy, uh, Isaac Heaney and above. Okay. I'll, I'll jump in so first because I've got I'm one. Start, uh, oh, okay. I've got go, Toby go. Green at only 448k. Okay. Now sell me. Sell me, Um. Okay. Well, I think that I'm absolutely insane for considering Toby Green yet again. I think every year for the last five years, I've said that I will never, ever consider Toby Green again. And yet again, he comes in at a, a tasty price. Um, I think that 2021, he'll get a little bit more consistency into his game. I think that the likes of Tom Green will move more up the ground and allow him to um, kind of be that high half forward that he has been for a, a little bit. And I just think his potential is around that 95 to 100 mark and you're getting him for a price of 83.5. I just think that... Um, his potential is... Yeah, and we get sucked in every every year, but you can't deny that it's there. It's just, is he going to play 22 games next year? And that's the same question that we're faced with every other year. Pistol, go. Um, look... I, I almost was baited into talking about Jordan Dugowie after Trelaw left, but I don't really want to talk about Dugowie because I'm still mad. So you we'll, just um, did, but, okay. no, we'll, we'll, we'll talk in the preseason about him. But um, <laughs> I'll, I'll quickly touch on uh, maybe a little bit of an, an outsider in Jeremy Cameron at 388k. Um, look, typically key forwards are ones that you wouldn't really pick, but we say that and then we look at Tom Hawkins, um, who consistently ends up at the top of the forward line list and Jeremy Cameron in the past has averaged 90 plus he's now at a better side um, in a team that desperately needs somebody to play his kind of roaming you know center half forward role where he can get up the ground and take marks kind of that I'm kind of picturing him in that Jesse Hogan role where he averaged in the 90s a couple of seasons ago for Melbourne I think Jeremy Cameron who's a good mover will be able to get up and um, you know Geelong kick the ball and chip it around a little bit. They they tend to get a lot of marks as well. I think all of this the stuff, they, they chip it yeah, around. They, I think he's somebody <laughs> that will benefit a lot by Geelong's play style as well as he can kick a few snags. And dare I say it, Geelong have a really good upcoming <laughs> draw. <laughs> they have a really there great... They, their fixtures to start the season... St Kilda, Fremantle, Melbourne, Collingwood, Sydney, Bulldogs, Adelaide, Essendon, before then Richmond. Like that, that's like eight games of just pure domination coming up to start the season. And look, have I mentioned Tom Hawkins has a good draw, good draw coming up? The, think, that, um, that draw just makes me want to start Patrick Dangerfield so much more. I actually did want to go back, but I know we're going to touch on the mid-prices, but can I ask you, JB, I'm going to throw a question back at you. Oh, sure, why not? Is Dangerfield at 611k as like a 33-year-old no. or whatever, is he just too expensive to start the season? Oh, too expensive. I thought you were going to say, is he a lock? And I was going to say no. I was going to say, is he too expensive? Um, no, I don't think he's too expensive. I think you, you get what you're buying. You're buying the number one forward um, in Supercoach 2021. Um, I'd be surprised if he didn't end up there. I know he's he, he is aging, but I would be, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree with me here, I would be shocked if he fell below a 110 average. Um, I'm looking down this list and thinking maybe Josh Dunkley can do that. Um, even in a crowd of Bulldogs midfield, that's, that's questionable. Marshall, if Ryder misses a lot of time, has the potential to do that. Um, besides that, I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of players that even could do that on their best year. Um, Dangerfield, you get what you're paying for. That draw <clears throat> that you said at the start, he might make a lot of that 110 average up in those opening six to eight weeks. Um, and then if you trade him enough to that, you might not just be getting the, you, you might be getting something less than obviously the best forward in the game. So um, at this stage, he's in my team. I plan on starting with him. I'd love to start with him. Um, the 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 drop down from him to someone 
like Dustin Martin, you, you're only making 70k, and I think you're just losing a lot of points there. So um, I genuinely think Dangerfield's the standout option up forward. Oh, it's so tough because my <laughs> gut wants to take Dangerfield on, but then I read his draw, and I think there's just no way. Uh, he, he'll probably be I'll, averaging I'll 120. Never pick him as a midfield only again. Yeah. And I didn't Look, last year for that exact reason. But now that he's a forward, and he's given so a few players missed out on that forward status, yeah. But like I'm, I've considered still side bottom, and he's twenty k more expensive than still side bottom. Who who could easily go yeah. ten points less than him? Easily. And I think he's a better pick than Rowan Marshall at fifty k yeah, more. No, I agree. If Marshall's got Ryder to contend with at the beginning of the season, like, like I just really, yeah. you have to look at the value, um, and like Isaac Henry, I think is a lock regardless of what you do with Dangerfield. I suppose Zorko could go 105. Like maybe he's better value, but like Dangerfield, he just is so far ahead of the pack in this forward line. Um, I, you, you're going to have him at some point in the season. Otherwise, you, you're not going to be maximizing your team. And with that draw, I'd rather have him off the rip than worry about getting him in for 640k um, from a dud forward who's made 80k for the season eight rounds in. And you're not worried that now that with like Higgins joining the side that they'll be able to kind of rest Higgins can play field. half forward. Yeah, as, they, mu- as much they as they brought anyone. in other people as well, but it's all these people that take up part of the Supercoach pie. Like Jeremy they Cameron did. in itself is an upgrade on Radigalia's scoring if, potential. Right, I've, got a, I've got a question for you. If Dangerfield plays full forward for the first yep. eight rounds with that draw, what do you yep. think he averages? <laughs> 110. <laughs> like it's the downside is just it's so minimal. Like it, could you could you see yourself looking at Dangerfield at the end of the season and saying, "Wow, 105 average." Like I can't, yeah, I can't I, see I him think, possibly going that low. But if I don't start him, I don't know if I'll want him then. Like I'd just be upgrading exactly. kind of around him, and and then you're missing the best forward in the competition. Like it's hard. It's hard to win. Your leagues on that. It's hard to win Supercoach in general on that. Um, if he was 640k, I uh, would be having a different discussion. He would be 60k more than Sidebottom. He'd be 100, almost 100k more than Hawkins and Dunkley and Marshall. Um, but 610k, I can stomach that. That's not too bad. And he plays every match, <sighs> every year. So He does, yeah. There's, there's a lot of... It's, 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 this is going to be a conversation that we follow strongly in preseason, particularly because I expect in the preseason them not to you know play him in the guts for the entire game. I think he'll be heavily playing forward, probably not trying super hard, putting out two average scores, and then everyone jumping off. And then season. That's what Dane Swan did when he was forward eligible like four years ago. And then he averaged one hundred and twenty. What, what would you like to say? Yeah. Geez, I saw you with your hand up, like you were. In well, I was there. just going to say that I think that <laughs> the Higgins point is sort of counteracted by the fact that Gaz is gone. I think that they're going to play similar roles. Not exactly the same, obviously, as Gaz was playing so much more forward time than what Higgins will. Um, but I think the addition of Jeremy Cameron taking away that um, Asava Radigalia forward spot that he, he seemed to play a bit um, means that they don't need Dangerfield down there as often. Um, uh, also 100% potential. So, yeah, I, I think it's still the same. I still do think that what I said at the start of you know this season just gone is that he, we're never going to see 120 average from him again. Um, but I, do, I also okay. agree with you by saying that if he comes out and goes 105, I would be honestly pretty shocked. And I see it just like Lloyd, just like Neil, just like Grundy, just like Dangerfield. I'm just picking the one guy in each line to fill my first position that I think is going to be the highest scorer in each line for the year. So that's just another point that I'm just like, I know Whitfield and Dusty last year didn't work out as great as I hoped, but I remember picking them knowing that they'd be in the top six forwards, which I'm pretty sure they ended up being um, pretty close to. So, um, I, I, and that, and that was, that was a statistical rule change that affected a couple of players like that. So Whitfield didn't do as well with the the rule changes, and he also had a concussion early on in mm. the year. Um, I think he was a successful pick if those two minor details hadn't happened. Um, but like Dangerfield, you, you, like you don't have those risks. He's he's diverse. He can he can do. We've obviously seen him average incredibly well with any sort of rule changes, and he doesn't miss matches. Yeah, I, I, okay, I'll put him in my side. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just locking him in because I think he's he's I'm the convinced. safest that I can say would be top three top. Four of the of the the forwards, as opposed to finishing vaguely in the top ten. 
I think I think he's primed for a 120 average after round 10, and then a bit of a drop off. I just want to own him for that. Oh, I thought, sorry, I thought you meant 120 after round 10. I'm like, nah, he's he's gonna be on ice, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Prior to round yeah. 10, they're big start. Um, Geelong are just want to, gonna want to get as much percentage and and wins out of that as they can. Um, big start, and then likely gonna, like you said, be iced more later in the season. Um, play. He's probably going to play a lot more forward minutes later on in the season and be forward eligible for next year. And we'll have and, the same and they'll, they'll put him on ice when they're feeling comfortable. When you've got a, a brand new All Australian full forward and you've just lost probably the greatest player um, in modern history, there's going to be a bit of time where you're not quite gelling as well as you need to be. And so you know, um, I, I don't see that they're the type of games early in the season where they're like, ah, oh, just sit up in the forward line for half a game, danger, and just chill. If you like, I think we've twisted his arm. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, he's in my. I literally, while you've been talking, I just put him in my side. <laughs> Good. So Good I'm man. convinced. Okay. <laughs> so, my point earlier in getting you guys to point out mid price uh, selections was that the, the forward, besides Dangerfield, I don't think there's a whole lot of forward, uh, value in the higher priced forwards. Um, there are a few little nuggets in the mid price forwards. Jeremy Cameron, as you said. Um, Toby Green, I could 100% see gaining popularity if he plays a bit of midfield time during the preseason, um, or if he just shows his general flair up forward like he always does. Um, the more you scroll, the more interesting selections you can see. Um, I've seen Jesse Hogan for not much as well. I've seen yeah, three plenty of full forwards for not much. Ben Brown and Joe Danaher as well along similar lines. They they are not expensive at all. 233 um, and 260. Jack Siebel. Go for that price as well. Two fifty-seven. There are some really interesting selections in the forward line, and I hope to see people down to F three, F four, F five with a completely diverse forward line. And I think someone someone will win this year with five forwards that you, like Dangerfield, Heaney, and three forwards that we just <laughs> look at and go, oh yeah, it's so obvious. Why don't we start them instead buddy. of this guy? Yeah, buddy, buddy as well. Like, there's there are so many of them. Like even There's even like Tom Lynch hasn't shown that he can do well, but even he's around the three fifty k mark. Like there are just so many so many players. Like Rosie, I wouldn't be shocked if Rosie because we got Arazio Fantasia. I wouldn't be shocked if he got pushed into the midfield and averaged you know in the nineties as well yeah. this year. He he's priced Love at seventy. That. Like there are so many butters as well. The same the same mold, and he averaged like more last season, so he's got more of a. Um, history of averaging well. If he gets pushed more into the midfield, he could also explode onto the scene. There are a lot of players that I could justify having in my team in this forward line. I think it's really exciting. Oh, there's so many mid prices. You could. Uh, there's a lot of key forwards, and I don't know which ones will get the right role. Um, obviously, I just think um, when you see Danaher at two thirty three and moving from you know, one of the worst midfields kicking to him to one of the best midfields kicking to him. I think it's going to make a world of difference to his scoring. I mean, he's obviously injury-prone as hell, but 233K is currently not in my side. But, geez, if I see two really good pre-seasons games, I, I know I'll be tempted into picking Such him at, at that price. Such a oh, low-risk price. I mean, he'll make 100K at that price. Like, he's just bound to go back-to-back, you know, 100s at one stage of the season. And when he does that, he's already up. 70 80k straight off the bat so um i mean can ben I, brown can i just say yeah. Mel- yep. melbourne uh you teased me for this pick earlier and sorry geez i'll throw to you in a second um melbourne have when that when they had jesse hogan they were good um he averaged well melbourne did well um they've got ben brown now who's the first genuine key forward they've had since jesse hogan um, unless you want to lie to my face and tell me Tom McDonald's a genius. <laughs> um, he's coming off a 48 average. He's 260K. Now, I know uh, we've had this discussion. In his Coleman years, he didn't even average that well. But he could not only have it an effect on his own score, but players like Clayton Oliver being able to deliver to a forward. Um, I think Melbourne, as a team, are trending upward at the moment. Um, because of Ben Brown, and I think I don't think he's someone that you can write off as a, as a pick either. As in the Coleman year when he averages in the seventies, I mean, I just I can see him making a hundred k the same he's way that I North can see Melbourne his entire career. I know that is that's a rough sentence, but having a hundred k being made from back to back big scores, I can I can totally see that happening. But he's certainly the player that you jump off 
Like, yes. The, the yes. problem with these players is that the timing is so critical when to jump off. Like, for example, um, a bad example, but like Viney, at one point of the season, like he made the 100K after like five rounds, but then other people had other injury problems and they couldn't deal with Viney. So they ended up holding him and he lost money. And then it was like, well, now he's made no money. I'll continually hold him. Ben Brown's not somebody that you just want to hold for like half the season. You, you want to no. sell him when he reaches his peak price. And if you have other issues and you miss out and he drops back down in price, then you've just missed out. And that, that's what makes these picks so difficult because it's all about the timing. And I'm not saying lock him in. I, I just I think there are a lot of players around that price that are up for consideration. Um, Chizet, did you have anything to throw into the forward line spanner that we're going through here? No, I just I just think that we need to... Uh, I need to figure out what pick I've got in the rivalry league draft because... By the sounds of this mid-price madness in the forward line, I need uh, DVDA cats on my side. <laughs> Mate, I, I tell you right now, I assume I've got number one pick again because my team won again. Um, but I, I will not be... He, he will still be on the board after my pick, I'll tell you right now. We have a rivalry, and I, I respect <laughs> it. And I, I, want to, I want to play him, not play with him. Uh, I'll, so he'll, see, he'll still be on the board. I'll clean up the cup, no worries. That's fine. I think... Um, <laughs> Jack Z Bell probably needs Jack a who? bit more. <laughs> sorry, Jack. Jay Z. Sorry. No, what was no his say, last name? say the surname. Yeah. Z-Bull? Oh, okay. Z okay. What was the first? <laughs> what did I say? What did I say the first time? Like, I don't know what Z-Bell? I say half the time. <laughs> Can oh, you ring Z Bell? He's French. He's French. Z Bell um, having the baguette. <laughs> Look, I know his body's slowing down a little bit, but there was some talks and some articles that he might get thrown. Off the halfback, I think I read somewhere, like as oh like God. a trial. So I'd love to see what role he kind of comes out in the preseason because he could, you know, he could average fifty or he could average 65. ninety. It's just he could be anything, and uh, he's a heavy add to the watch list for the preseason. Yeah, big preseason watch list. His body is like every single question that we need answered in regards to selecting him. Um, even last year when he did play, and I know he averaged like four and a half points, <laughs> but he did look good. But he, how many how many injury affected scores did he have? Pistol, look that up while I talk. But okay, um, he's the he's the type of player that could easily average eighty for the first month, and all of a sudden, like that's our best cash generator, and like a lot of people just won't select him based on the fact that he he's coming off a really poor season. Um, so he averaged obviously forty eight in eight games. Um, which is a, like tremendously poor. Yeah, he um, had an injured 19, an injured 20, an injured zero. And then he also had an... Well, he just had a 36 because he played badly. But yeah, that's a lot of low scores. <laughs> what, what, was, what were his best two scores? He had an 89 and a 99 in back-to-back yeah. games. Yeah, so like I, I can see him going on a run of four weeks where he doesn't get injured. Well, I actually can't see that. But if he doesn't get injured <laughs> for a run of four weeks... I can see him going 80, 85 plus for that time. That's yeah. enough to make a decent, decent chunk of change. I agree. Um, yeah. If we are facing heavy issues with our midfield, uh, sorry, not with our midfield, with our rookies this year, um, we might have to look to those types and the Joe Danahers and, and fielding multiple of them at a time and hoping that they're our main cash makers. Totally. I uh, agree with you 100%. Madness. I'm excited, lads. I'm excited. The, the year looks good. The diversity is everywhere. Everyone, every single team that I've seen has at least 18 differences, which is madness. I think the last few years we've started um, and we've already seen very, very similar teams filter in from the team picker. Um, I think it's going to be a fun year, an interesting year. I'm extremely excited to produce content with you guys all this and next... Well, there's only eight days left in this month, but all next month um, and the months following. So... I think that'll wrap us up. Uh, do we have any closing statements, Pistol? We'll start with you. No, I think we've uh, done really well. But uh, yeah, I think just looking very, very early days at the teams on Twitter and the teams in our Slack channel that are going about, there's so many different players selected. Like, I think it was the first five teams I only had two common premiums with. Like, it's Is there just an echo in here? Everyone. No, yeah, I'm, I'm just agreeing with you. Like, I don't, <laughs> it's to an extreme extent. The diversity of teams. It's yeah, not like it's you know one in every three. It's insane. 
I can't believe I've finished this podcast with Dyson Heppel in my team. That's <laughs> Chizo, do you have any uh, closing statements for me? Do you want to plug the uh, the socials once you're done? Uh, I probably need unplugged from life support because I've got six um, mid prices in my team at this point, and I use I usually <laughs> oh, recommend no. like no more than one per line. So <laughs> I'm. Done. Oh, oh, basically, I'm blaming you guys for talking me into all the mid prices that could possibly be in there. Just to go through a couple, I've got Heppel, we've got Haitley, we've got Bruce, yep. Jeremy Cameron, yep. Lance Franklin, and Jay Z. <laughs> This could go very, very wrong so or very, very mediocrely. There's no positives that's going to come from this. I love it. That's what this. That's what Supercoach twenty. We had such a rough year with Supercoach twenty twenty. With breaks and rolling buys and whatever other rubbish they threw at us, we are primed for a fun season, guys. I'm extremely Love excited. Um, you know what? Cheese, I'll plug Good. our socials. Um, the the main account is at Dr. Underscore SC. You can find myself, Cheese, or Pistol using our podcaster name, underscore DRSC, uh, on Twitter. I think Pistol's far out ahead on people that have followed him so please for please good reason help us pick he's, he's chasing uh, mrs no, pistol's clout though like he, he he gets cross crossbred um so far, uh, followers though oh, wait no that's not what i meant i noticed like, that he goes yeah. onto the main twitter and retweets most of his tweets what? as well so that might don't even know the password yeah oh come on come on now that's that's a security <laughs> risk um <laughs> <laughs> okay well thanks for joining Absolutely. me guys wow. I hope you have a great Christmas it's it's three days away uh, by the time this is uploaded probably two days but um, I appreciate you guys jumping on uh, I appreciate the community listening in I hope we've all got the um, team picker otherwise this is just a massive tease to those who don't um, again we're going to be on the microphones probably within a couple of weeks discussing more and more thank you very much for joining us guys and we'll catch you in the, in the new season